Hello, everybody. Welcome to our Saturday morning Bible study. I'm so glad you could join us today. And uh, we're recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And our moderator today is Thomas from New York. Hello and uh, welcome, everyone. Um, so I'll start out with our quote for today's Bible study. The understanding of truth and love, the principle which works out the ends of the eternal good and destroys both faith in evil and the practice of evil, leads to the discernment of the divine idea. That's from Science and Health of Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy, page 561, lines 1 to 4. It's in the Apocalypse chapter. Thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful. Wonderful quote. Very relevant. Well, truth and love go together throughout Mary Baker Eddy's writings, as we all know. And for a good reason. Everybody wants to know the truth. The thing about truth is that it does come to light and it is known. But the question is, how do you get there? And that's, in my view, is where love comes in. Because if you firmly and, you know, callously demand, I need to know the truth, I want to know what it is, well, you're not going to get anywhere except contention. However, the thing that opens the door to know the truth is this wonderful thing of love. Love opens the way so that truth can be known. Thank you. That's nice. Certainly, the and the chosen, the Pharisees missed out on the love part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why they missed out on the truth, truth. part. Yeah. Mrs. Eddy says truth and love most potent methods. So both together. I guess that's why the children get it so easily then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of a knowing, knowing, yes, God's law reaches and destroys evil by virtue of the allness of good. And uh, so the more you know of good, the evil dissipates because the evil is not real it has no no power and that's how it's destroyed it, it did come to my attention which I'm letting you all know I've let some of you know that um, starting yesterday the Satanists from all across the world will converge on Scottsdale Arizona for three days conduct conduct ritual services celebrations and debauched evil events. Okay, so it's going on right now. I thought, what a wonderful time to have this um, Bible study. And and they they chose Scottsdale because uh, Scottsdale City Council declined their request to deliver a satanic invocation before the Scottsdale Council meeting. So, um, and in in what was sent to me, there were all these prayers to work with and. What, what did you say about it, Carol? 
<laughs> Carol said that it was going to be like the conversion of Saul to Paul. Oh, right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and that, yes, that that's God's law reaching and destroying evil by virtue of the allness of, of God good. So that's all that can go on. They can discover their divine destinies. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how our prayers should be, that they will discover God. They will discover the, the, the fallacy of what they are currently believing. Because when you get it out in the open... Its ridiculousness is exposed. So I just thought it was a very apt time to be doing this um, Revelation Bible study because we are going to address what evil claims because the only way it can operate is how? Hidden. 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 Yes. So when we... That's what a cult, thank you, Florence, that's what that means. So we get it out in the open, and yes, we see how ridiculous it is, and we destroy it. But because we haven't known it, I mean, some of the things that were revealed to me in this study, I thought, good grief, this is all that's been happening. It's been happening in in the organization. And if we'd known more of it, perhaps we would have been forewarned, forearmed. So this is a vital vital Bible study, and I hope that I'm um, going to make sure it gets well publicized so it gets a lot of views. People need to know this. That's why Mrs. Eddy has a whole chapter on it. Anybody else? Quote? No, I was just thinking it is mind that's infinite. Only God is infinite everywhere with everyone. So they will find out. Yes, how can they not? Right, and that's, you know, it's the allness of God. It's the completeness of God. And that's why these seemingly very different um, words, truth, love, mind, they're all synonyms for God. Mm-hmm. Because they're all together. Because they are all, period. I thought this this goes back um, to some of the things we were talking about last week, or last time, last month. Um, I read this commentary, some very good commentaries. This was listing the ten characteristics of Christ envisioned by John. And one, his eyes were like blazing fire. And the Greek construction is literally his eyes shot fire, indicating that Christ was indignant over something. As we progressed with the vision, we found out that he was indignant over the indifference in some cases of the apostate apostate churches. Whenever the Church of Christ is not, not what it should be, we can be sure it arouses the indignation of Christ. And then this, his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. This part of the verse can best be illustrated by comparing it to Niagara Falls. The call of worldliness, materialism, science, education, psychology, and all other voices calling to the souls of human beings seem to take precedence over the voice of Jesus today. 
in that day, all other voices will be stilled by the deafening, overpowering voice of the Son of God, to whom all people will give heed, for they will be entering into the, their hour of judgment. Well, I don't know. But anyway, however, the church or Christians that so desire can hear his voice today if he or she will but listen. So Niagara Falls is speaking at this event on Scottsdale. <laughs> they cannot help but hear it. I've never been to Niagara Falls, but I hear it is deafening. It is quite astounding. Yes. Yeah, I, I went once, and I was so blessed to do that. And it's it's just wonderful. So, yes, I like that. You, you can hear nothing else, okay? Yeah. All of these other voices are going to be shut up. <laughs> Only the voice of Christ will be heard. Won't that be wonderful? And we can expect it and know what's going on now. And he brings out individually. We can always hear God's voice, but we'll get where it's collective, like Niagara Falls. It will be wonderful. <clears throat> Thinking of all those people ignorantly following when they feel divine love, it's going to be... Overpa <laughs> yes, overpowering them, yes. Yeah, and the fact that Christ was indignant to this. Um, one of the articles said, well, some of this stuff would be considered politically incorrect now to say a place was the seat of Satan or other things. But we call a spade a spade. It, he was indignant because the offense is to God, mm -hmm. and we must all have that in us, not this nicey-nice stuff. And saying that is not an eternal curse. It was just a big, giant warning. It was a, a wake-up. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Or suffer the consequences. Exactly. Okay. Well, I want to say why, why I picked this quote. Um, you know, I look at this quote as to um, how and the reason we're studying uh, the book of Revelation. So we're, we're learning about truth and love, right? And it helps us, that process helps us work out the ends of eternal good and destroys evil, okay? And what does this lead to is the discernment of the divine idea. So we're going through this process of learning, and, you know, it's going to open up to us um, about the divine idea. So... You know, Revelation is very mysterious, I think, to most of us, or it would say to me. But um, this is a good approach, I think, to look at this, is that well, how are we going to use Revelation? Is is we're going to try and learn, and the door's going to open, and we're going to uh, gain a discernment of the divine idea. And what is, is the, the reason for, yeah. And what is the divine idea? Christ man, the spiritual man. Yeah, that's, you are the divine idea. Yeah. So this will lead to the discernment of who you are. You know, I also read just before, just before this line, I started reading that paragraph. This is the last sentence in that paragraph. And I, I what stood out to me was that Mrs. I, I've never seen this before, but when she, Mrs. Eddy talks, she says, um, persecution of all who have been spoke something 
spoken something new and better of God has not only obscured the light of the ages, but has been fatal to the persecutors. Why? Because it was hid from them, but because it has hid from them the true idea which has been presented. To misunderstand Paul was to be ignorant of the divine idea he taught. I compared that to Mrs. Eddy. That that to to not see her in her true light is the same as Paul the message is that if you're, you're the, the divine idea that she was presenting or that was coming forth through her can't be, it, it, I don't know, I just, I just saw Paul as being, that, that's referring to herself also. Ignorance of the divine idea betrays at once a greater ignorance of the divine principle of the idea. Ignorance of truth and love. And I, I just saw that as, it's the same, this is Eddie and, Paul, I mean, you, I, anyway, that's so absolutely. We have to see her and her. Yeah, yeah. She, she says that later in many places that the students that did not see her right, they here she's saying it's fatal. That's a pretty big price, but fatal by meaning you you turn from the one source of of help, right? And that is yeah. fatal. The only thing that's going to help you to overcome. No. <laughs> it, it overcome everything so it is highly important yes to see her correctly the woman in the apocalypse then her message means something that's right right yeah. and then we begin to know who we are uh-huh. yeah yeah which is what God wants us all to know I mean that's why he's giving people all of this revelation Right. So, so that we will know who we are. And, and it really has been presented clearly in front of us. But as we study these various churches, we'll see what hit it, including our own organization. So uh, thank you for that, Gary, because I think there's such a focus on revelation that it's going to reveal future events the apocalypse and all that sort of stuff, right? But what we're talking about is uh, revealing who we are. Mm-hmm. So it's in focus, right? How do we grow in our understanding as opposed to focusing on what does it mean on these future human historical events and all that sort of stuff, right? Which takes away from the process of going through and trying to learn. Go ahead, please. I was also thinking of how Paul was writing to the churches. Well, look at all the letters this is that he wrote to the church, to her churches. Exactly. That they were coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago, the precept. You can't read it because the uh, organization owns it. So they say. So they say. Yeah. Yeah. They don't understand that God owns it, mm-hmm. and that all of His okay. children are entitled to it as a result of that. So, uh, our topic today—usually um, we just have a couple words here—but this is kind of a whole sentence: "Is uh, behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard." was as it were of a trumpet talking 
with me. So I like that for a couple thoughts, but if anybody wants to comment on that. Uh, <laughs> Well, I have a. I've been. <clears throat> I also have Hoyt's book, and she talks about the trumpet. Um, and it was interesting what she said. She said, um, "And I heard behind me a great voice, as of a trumpet, saying, 'I'm out.' Many times in the Bible, when heavenly voices speak to the spiritually alert, we were told that the voices come from behind. Anything before you requires no effort on your part to see it or to hear it." But if something is really worthwhile, you are willing to make an effort to have it. The individual effort and desire count a great deal in preparation for any work. And then she says, the word trumpet is also significant. A trumpet announces or declares a fact. When it is when it's time to begin the service in the temple, the priests of ancient days blew upon silver trumpets. This was a call to worship. It was a declaration that the service was about to begin. So the trumpet throughout the apocalypse is a declaration of fact, a declaration of truth. Yeah, somebody was going to write an article. Yeah, yeah, about who was going to write an article? <laughs> <laughs> and, and a few people asked me, When's, when is Karen going to write that article? Well, I guess I got I to gotta go to God and ask, when are you going to read my article? <laughs> <laughs> that trumpet. Right, the trumpet. The trumpet will tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, we'll see. <laughs> okay. Trumpet is a beautiful instrument. Um, it is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Carolyn in Canada, she sent me the most beautiful thing I think I've ever heard of this trumpeteer. Oh, my word. She's a British woman. I can't think of her name. But anyway, it was. in fact, I even thought about bringing it and playing it for one of our Bible studies. It's not very long, and it is just, you feel like you've entered the gates of heaven. So our music can be so holy when it's God inspired. I think it calls attention. You you have to listen. Yes, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. yes. You have to listen. Different level of Niagara Falls, but it it's very compelling. And yes, thank you. Well, that would be great if if we could hear that maybe in some future Bible study. <laughs> okay. As we go through Revelation. <laughs> you you it have to be fantastic. Okay, I will bring it, or I'll have somebody bring Everybody's it. Everybody's getting homework. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's magnificent. It's like a wake you know, at night too. There was a camp that I went to. There every night, um, there was a trumpeter um, that did taps, played taps. Yes, and it was so. I don't know. It was so comforting and very peaceful, and it just sort of ended the day. And that was very. I mean, was very um I'd never heard it before and I I don't know, I sort of looked I got to the point where I looked forward to it every evening as we were all sort of tucking into bed and then all of a sudden this taps is played and it was so peaceful. Yes. So there's that too. Yes there is. Day is done, gone mm -hmm. the sun. Yep. That's true. <clears throat> Beautiful. Okay. I just wanted to say one thing about the trumpet. Um, when I, when I first came, 
and was learning that I had to listen for inspiration, it seemed very faint. <laughs> but as time has gone on, it seems seems louder and clearer. So to imagine with John, it, it was like a trumpet, just very, very clear. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so our, our first question uh, is really a discussion, I guess. Um, discuss the blessing, which is in Revelation 14, verse 13. And just so you know, in page 109 in Tomlinson are listed uh, the seven Beatitudes, he calls them. So this would be the second one. And it says here, Blessed are the dead, which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Well, Mrs. Eddy answers that in Unity of Good, pages two to three, I guess. Um, I would hope you all are reading these things and listening because they're very powerful. I don't know if anyone else has anything to say, but she says, um, that in divine science, the dying, if they die in the Lord, awake from a sense of death to a sense of life in Christ with a knowledge of truth and love beyond what they possessed before because their lives have grown so far toward the stature of manhood in Christ Jesus that they are ready for a spiritual transfiguration through their affections and understanding. Those who reach this transition called death without having rightly improved the lessons of this primary school of mortal existence and still believe in matters reality, pleasure, and pain are not ready to understand immortality. Hence, they awake only to another sphere of experience and must pass through another probationary state before it can truly be said of them, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And then they upon whom the second death of which we read in the Apocalypse hath no power are those who have obeyed God's commands and have washed their robes white through the sufferings of the flesh and triumphs of spirit. Thus they have reached the goal in divine science by knowing him in whom they have believed. This knowledge is not the forbidden fruit of sin, sickness, and death, but it is the fruit which grows on the tree of life. This is the understanding of God whereby man is found in the image and likeness of good, not of evil, of health, not of sickness, of life, not of death. That was always my ending of this. So, this reminds me of what um, the how Riki puts it so beautifully in her little pamphlet, "Immortality Brought to Light," and how she said refers to the angel with one foot on the latent air. Well, anyway, the, the bottom line is that the that the whole um, cause of visible error comes from the fact that we were, or believed that there was birth in matter. And um, 
So that's what I've been working with a lot more recently lately is just knowing that there's no birth, so there's no death. <laughs> and um, we have to, because all the effects of belief in, in birth and matter are all the visible errors that we seem to be faced with. And um, so that's the answer. Is there death? No, because there's no birth in matter. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and that- those are all aggressive mental suggestions, aren't they? Yeah. Very aggressive. And that's why I'm, I'm sure Mrs. Eddy gave us the alertness to duty in the manual. Everybody remembers what that is? Yes. To defend ourselves yes. daily against that kind of yes. aggressive mental suggestion yes. and not be made to forget nor to neglect our duty to God, to our leader, and to mankind. And then she finishes mm-hmm. that with by his works he shall be judged and justified or condemned. And here we have in Revelation, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord and their works do follow them. They have been justified by their works. Yeah. Thank you. And this is why, too, when if we ever attend the birth of a baby or all of these things or a funeral, we've got to be quite aware of be handling these aggressive mental suggestions because they will certainly creep in and get you feeling upside down unless you know. Otherwise, don't go. This is part of the apostolic command to come out from the material world and be separate. It's always reversing the divine idea. <coughs> yes. It really is. <clears throat> yes. Um, when I saw this quote about the blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, it reminded me a little bit of a, one of the sections in our lesson this week when it says, Then said Jesus to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it for what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul i just thought it it all kind of fit in with what we think life is and how to get it yeah thank you yeah that's that's right right. that's very good yeah that's right Mm-hmm. There are many different ways in which this truth is 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 spoken and written, but it all means the same thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Betty. Well, thank you. <laughs> so, um, I think we'll get started on the letters. And uh, my thoughts overall on the letters are that uh, these are kind of like a foundation that we learn as we go through these letters. And that what that helps is to kind of open the door to the visions. Because the visions, uh, for me, can be very mystifying, right? But we go through this process of trying to understand each letter. 
and what does it mean for us? What can I learn from that? And then our thought is more open to the visions, and we can learn from the visions. Anyway, that's my thought about what we're going through. Um, others can correct me or have their thoughts about that, but uh, that's why I think these, these letters are very important for us to go through. They certainly are. And if we could, I'd like to go back. There were things I don't think we discussed in about Ephesus before we go to Smyrna. And I would just like to say that we found this documentary. Um, it's called The Seven Churches of Revelation, Times of Fire. And we watched the first one most of us here in Plainfield, Monday night, which was about the Patmos and the first three churches. Now, it was interesting to me because it was kind of produced. There's this, it, he's a French filmmaker, a French Christian filmmaker for Bertrand and Suzanne. I was so happy about this. He wants to produce Christian films. And he went to Patmos, and then he went to to Smyrna, to oh, Ephesus, Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamos. And he takes you to these cities. He takes you to the ruins. He takes you, it's like a travelogue, but then he also, there's so much in it that he talks about. Um, his name was Christoph Hanauer or something. Anyway, Christoph, one of my favorite new names. <laughs> anyway, um, and he speaks perfect English, so I didn't quite get he was French, but every time they'd zero in on a Bible, it was all in French. So I thought, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> anyway, it was fascinating. And so what were some of the things he said about Ephesus? Well, maybe first, Bruce, you read what Mrs. Eddy says about Ephesus. On message for 1900, pages 12 and 13. Did you have that marked? I got it right here. I thought so. Okay, in Revelation, second chapter, his messages to the churches commence with the church of Ephesus. History records Ephesus as an illustrious city, the capital of Asia Minor. It especially flourished as an emporium in the times of the Roman Emperor Augustus. St. Paul's life furnished items concerning this city, corresponding to its roads, its gates, whence the Ephesian elders traveled to meet St. Paul, led northward and southward. At the head of the harbor was the temple of Diana, the tutelary divinity of Ephesus. The earlier temple was burned on the night that Alexander the Great was born. Magical arts prevailed at Ephesus, hence the revelator saying, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. This prophecy has been fulfilled. Under the influence of St. Paul's preaching, the magical books in that city were publicly burned. It were well if we had a St. Paul to purge our cities of charlatanism. During St. Paul's stay in that city, over two years, he labored in the synagogue, in the school of Tyrannus, and also in private homes. 
The entire city is now in ruins. The revelator of, revelation of St. John in the apostolic age is symbolic rather than personal or historical. It refers to the Hebrew Balaam as the devourer of the people. Nicolaitan Church presents the phase of a great controversy, ready to destroy the unity and the purity of the church. It is said, a controversy was inevitable when the Gentiles entered the Church of Christ in that city. The revelator commends the church at Ephesus by saying, Thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. It is written of this church that their words were brave and their deeds evil. The orgies of their idolatrous feasts and the impurities were part of a system supported by their doctrine and their so-called prophetic illumination. Their distinctive feature, the apostle justly regards as heathen, and he denounces the Nicolaitan church. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and I read further, which I found so fascinating about the Nicolaitans, that their doctrine was of strong ecclesiastical hierarchy, ruling over the laity. This has never been conducive to a strong spiritual condition in the church. What does that sound like? <laughs> it sure does. And what it says, I hate this, okay? You see those eyes of fire? I hate this. And this, this one uh, commentary I read tells how awful when you get this great big government of anything, it's certainly a church, the individual voice is gone. You lose everything. I hate this. Okay, then this week, I happened to read, because I'm reading biographies of Mrs. Eddy. This is 12 Years with Mary Baker Eddy, okay, by Tomlinson. And on page 120, and this is when they were organizing the Concord Church. I'm just going to read part of this, but that all Christian scientists might clearly understand her, Mrs. Eddy's, desire that branch churches shall be truly democratic in their government, Mrs. Eddy published a bylaw which reads in part, In Christian science, each branch church shall be distinctly democratic in its government, and no individual and no other church shall interfere with its affairs. Is that not clear? Yeah. <laughs> but you see, we don't, read the, we don't read the biographies, we don't read the manual, we don't read Revelation. <laughs> and so we're ignorant to all this. I don't see how that could be any clearer, nor could it be any clearer than what Mrs. Eddy says in her message of 1900 and this truth about, now this is Ephesus. Did you want to say something? Well, going back to this documentary on Revelation, mm -hmm. um, it, it was full of actually quite interesting history that really kind of explained why some of this stuff that was going on was going on. For example, 
Rome considered the early Christians kind of a part of the Jewish community. Because, you know, most of the early Christians were Jews. And under Roman law, uh, everyone was required to um, what? Make, offerings. make offerings to the uh, emperor and to worship the emperor. And the Jews, uh, because of their religious beliefs, were exempted from this requirement. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they had to make offerings to his health. But yeah, they had health. to pray for his health, <laughs> but they didn't have to worship him. So, and that, that ruling applied to the early Christians for a while. And then this church, this, uh, no, the, the Nicolaitans. Yeah. They said, no, 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 no. Christians, we have nothing to do with the Christians. They're separate. And the Jewish hierarchy got really um, upset that the Christians were being dealt with by the Romans the same as the Jews were being dealt with. So eventually, the Jewish hierarchy convinced the Roman emperor that they didn't have anything to do with the Christians. So the Christians were then eventually required to worship the emperor of Rome. And this just increased the persecution against the early Christians. Those who refused, well, we won't even, if you read history, you know what horrible things they were doing to the Christians at that time. And in these commentaries, it it lists it lists the different emperors and all the stuff that was going on. I mean, it was probably the worst time for any Christian to live. But this was the result of a you know of a big Jewish organization that was supported by these nickel lady. Nickelodeon, whatever they're called. <laughs> Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. <laughs> but but anyway, so 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 they they organized against the Christian movement, and Sorry. and basically got them instead of excommunicating them, they 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 martyred them. They, they martyred them. They murdered and yeah. martyred them. This is where I heard understood about the beast because the beast you know uh, when you look at the pictures and everything but it's it's the roman emperors who crucified and killed and persecuted all these christians that's the beast that's the beast beast. the government that persecuted christians is the beast i never understood all this and watching this movie was very helpful it also, I'm sure I'll never get to Turkey to go to all these places and to see these ruins and, and yes, the history. Now, Carrie sent me two really good articles we'll have to put on the website um, under the under the Bible study. One was the, the journal from 1917, The Seven Churches by Caroline Getty. And another was my 
beloved William McCracken, uh, The First Love and the First Works, which is all about Ephesus. But in the Getty one, Mrs. Getty says, taking the seven churches in their order, <clears throat> we begin with Ephesus and find their indi there indicated a state of consciousness, which is apparently good. <clears throat> there is patience and discernment and judgment, long-suffering endurance, but joy seems to be lacking in this consciousness, which is apparently heavy laden. We miss the gladness and the enthusiasm of the first love. In seeking the influences which might have produced this mental state, we find our leader's description of Nicolodian, <laughs> Nicolaitan doctrines, which had crept into the churches of Ephesus, very illuminating. This false teaching was ever trying to destroy the unity and purity of the true consciousness or church. And then also, what did we find out in this movie that happened to Ephesus? Oh, uh, yeah, it had all these canals that allowed it to be sort of like a port in a big, a big city that was important in the region. And after all of this, um, silt came in and dried up all that stuff, and it became a dead city. And, and what he's talking about before this, we read Mrs. Eddy says, two years Paul labored in Ephesus. Two years, and uh, to get and and they were leaving these false doctrines and these worshiping of false gods because there was one particular god, goddess, what Diana, yeah. and and then, and so princess oh, princess, <laughs> please excuse me, princess Diana, <laughs> goddess Diana, false god. They made all these idols. All these idols, and people were making a lot of money from these idols. Because they had a lot of uh, visitors, a lot of tourists who would come and buy these little, you know. Ridiculous looking things. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so when Paul came, he was taking away their business by converting all these Christians. So he went to this big arena, this one guy, forget his name, and preached against Paul. And, and many, I guess, left Paul's following. Many stayed, but many left. And so after that is what Jeremy described, what happened to that city, which had once been, oh, and it, it's described in William McCracken's article, how beautiful, I made me think maybe it'd gone there, how beautiful it once was and how it isn't anymore. So, but you see, when you leave God and your first love and you, you're disobedient to him, then all kinds of things, disasters happen, including economic disasters. Did anyone else want to comment well, on that? I want to add something yeah. myself with uh, charlatanism because I thought of New Age and Mrs. Eddy's and uh, she, to me, uh, we needed a Paul to uh, purge our cities of this. And Mrs. Eddy makes it clear in her foreword to... Uh, the miscellany where she talks about that science and health does not need to be interpreted to those who are earnestly seeking truth. And then she also says that it is not possible to state truth absolutely in a simpler or more pleasing form. And that's just wow. part of what she said. That's and great. I feel like, and I, and I know that, that this new age is promoted so much everywhere. And then we have people who are using Christian science in their writings and drawing hundreds of thousands of people to it and to me this is needs to, and that's what paul was doing he was and i feel that's even what mrs eddie says we need it 
Thank you very much. It's very important. And and over and over in, in studying the seven churches is all this compromising, okay. compromising here, compromising there, and pretty soon, whoop, they're gone. Um, okay. that's, that's what the new age, it's compromise. Oh, let's make it more palatable. That's what I hear. Oh, let's, you know, and we'll make vision boards and see and ourselves into heaven. And, and we won't worry about animal magnetism. Nope. Because it's such an unpleasant yeah, we don't. We don't want to talk about any of that. Get no. We don't get anybody upset. <laughs> Mary, is there any way of putting this uh, on the um, Bible study notes? How this documentary sounds very interesting. How we can get at that? Yes, we'll put it on the website. Yes, you, honestly, you all should probably watch it. You can Google it, and um, and then find it. And and they haven't. Carrie, dear Carrie, found out that. They've only done the three so far, the three churches. They're going to do more this year and then finish it in 2023. But you can get that first DVD. That I know because I have it. (laughs) And it is worth, I thought it was very worth seeing. Is it worth it? Ephesus? Yes. Yeah, I might too. It's Ephesus, Smyrna, and Pergamos. I'm telling you, it's not for the faint of heart. It is not. Not for the pain of heart. This isn't all lightness and, and you know, that the, uh, you know, maybe a, a pure Christian science interpretation of all this. This is getting down to the nitty gritty with things. But, this is the beginning of the Christian movement. It was a bloody war. It was so a, be prepared. It was a bloody war. Yeah. And the other, one of these commentaries, which I'll get into, I forget which church it was, but it lists how Catholicism took over, the compromise, step by step by step, the things it did. And that is Romanism, right? It's a Roman empire pushing its way into the pure teachings of Christ Jesus. And using the church to continue its domination of billions of people. I mean, we we have a Roman empire today. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's yes. It's called the Roman Catholic Church, and and the organization, and other things. But you see, as we expose it, because what does Mrs. Eddy say? Two thirds expose. The final third will destroy itself. We expose it, and people can look at it and say, "Oh my gosh, how we've been duped!" Um, and this this must be done. That's why we have to expose it. Some people don't want to hear this, but that's too bad. Um, if you want to be faint of heart, you need to go somewhere else. This is not for the faint of heart. Certainly not this Bible study. <laughs> yeah, not this Bible study. So, where are we, Tom? Well, oh, so what I want to say was, since we brought this up about posting that, um, I think, and I wanted to say this today in the Bible study at some point, is that um, after our Bible study in Revelation, and... Um, of course, whenever Linda gets the notes posted. But, you know, it's really, really helpful to go back to the archive Bible studies on Revelation and read the additional notes that are posted there. Thank you. I think it's really good, and part of our learning process will help us for our next study mm-hmm. on Revelation. Thank you. Yes, we have done this on the churches, right? Linda did Yeah, it. we did have. Yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch from the last Bible study, so. Oh, right, yes. Well worth it, yes. There's a yep. whole bunch of stuff posted. Yes. Yep. It's wonderful. 
There's one statement in here I wanted to comment or talked about the great controversy coming from the Nicolaitan church and it was ready to destroy the unity and the purity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have a church. How are we going to be united? Have somebody draft up a bunch of rules, everybody read them and comply with them? Or shall we put to death the human inclinations, the selfishness, the personal ambition, and allow divine spirit move us? Each one of us has a conscience, and we have the ability to hear this divine spirit. And will we be united on that basis? And if so, it will be lasting. But not otherwise. Not otherwise. And all this was taught. It's all taught. It's all in Revelation in these churches. It's all out there. But who takes the time to read them or study like we're doing today? This is why it's so, so important. And all of Mrs. Eddy's works, she she gives a perfect synopsis of every church in Message of 1900. Yeah, I mean, she has a chapter devoted to Genesis and a chapter devoted to Revelation because she loved them both. She loved them both. Because they had, they were more, they had a better, a, a stronger spiritual message to them yes. than the others. Anyway. She, she did not avoid them. She loved them. Well, and God revealed to her what was important about them. Yes, and that's the thing. She had she was she was a revelation, right? Science and health is a revelation. Yes. As as Benjamin said, no human person could write this book. It's divine. That's why we know she is in the book of Revelation. That's why we know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So well, the next church, um, question number two in our Bible study. What is the lesson of the letter to the Church of Smyrna? This is in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, and Thomas in pages 131 to 132. Synagogue of Satan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, you want to read what Mrs. Eddy says? About Smyrna, mm-hmm. Alexander the Great founded the city of Smyrna, and after a series of wars, it was taken and sacked. The Revelator writes of this church of Smyrna, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life, a glad promise to such as wait and weep. Thank you. And... Um, the teri- this is a Getty article. Materiality opens the door to the era of so-called prophetic illumination on a material basis. And this needs to be distinguished clearly from true spirituality, which is neither ecstatic nor emotional, and which is absolutely free from the reac- reaction of the former. Let us then recognize the era of materiality and realize how quickly this will remove our candlestick out of its place. It makes a point, you know, a candlestick, those seven candlesticks, um, it's reflected light. It's a light we should be individually. It's a light our church should be. But if it's obscured by materiality, then 
Yes, it obscures our spiritual understanding unless we awake and repent. Repentance, our leader says on page 15 of the message of 19.1, of all human experience is the most divine. <laughs> A wonderful experience enabling one to rise above all the pride, hardness, self-importance of mortal selfhood and to enter into the great love of the Father, which is the first taste of the true selfhood. Mm. And then about Smyrna. The state of consciousness represented by the Church of Smyrna shows us works in the midst of tribulation, poverty, persecution, and pro prosecution. But here, too, the danger of mortal belief is indicated, namely, quote, the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan, end quote. An enemy within the camp is much more dangerous than outside. But mental malpractice is not to be feared, only to be handled as nothing, for it is not born of love, the only real power. Poverty, tribulation, prosecution, even attempted mental assassination, all these may be handled fearlessly and overcome if we are but faithful, alert, awake. Our work is based on principle, it will not lead to death, but to, the, to overcoming the belief in it. So that was what Gary was saying about within, you know, the Jews within, right? They were persecuting the Christians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and you see, that, that we have been warned about this because, well, we were persecuted by being excommunicated. It comes from within. It wasn't without. It's within. It shows a lack of love, like Bruce was saying at the beginning. Well, and Paul, yeah, and Paul, not sure where in the Bible, but Paul talks about Jews who are not really Jews. Jews who are Jews in name only, but not in spirit. And Jews who are circumcised physically, but are not circumcised of the heart. He speaks pretty plainly about that. But to ourselves, scientists were not Christian scientists, really. Yes. Exactly. And they do much damage, claiming they are in the, in the name, but not knowing what they're doing. And uh, another thing, I mean, this church was the most persecuted, evidently. But one thing it says that the persecution... Uh, it said Satan learned that persecution wasn't wasn't helpful to him because the more people were per persecuted, the more what? <laughs> <laughs> the more they banded together. Yes. Yes. Go to the truth. Yes. <clears throat> yep. And so, I mean, this makes the point of Constantinople, which we I always thought you know he was the friend of the Christians. He was the Roman Empire that finally was a friend of the Christians, but this says, well, maybe not so, that he realized the truth. So he said, okay, well, we'll go get, try to get along with them. We'll, you know, we'll compromise. And then um, there was a lot of compromising. And it led to the decline and not otherwise. In other words, the persecution... That's why Mrs. Eddie, Mrs. Evans, I told you, she said she learned her greatest lessons under persecution. 
I mean, I, I don't know whether I have a right to even talk about this, but I, I see in the slavery, you got some of the best Christians out of that. Harriet Tubman. I mean, these people, they put the rest of us to shame. Holy Moses. And how did that happen? They were stripped of everything. They were persecuted. They hadn't done anything wrong. But somehow, thank God, they learned about the Bible. They learned about Moses. Let my people go. They read this stuff. They imbibed it. They lived it. And I I used to see it in Plainfield. The black churches would be full, okay? I'd see them walk into church, their beautiful hats, their little children all dressed up. And and the other churches were what? Declining. They're still supposed to be the strongest group in the uh, United States, at least. Wow. Well, it puts it puts other people to shame. Uh, Craig's grandmother, I think she was a slave. I don't know if you saw yeah. Craig. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I sure her family were slaves before her. Mm-hmm. But she was just like a 1903, she was... Uh, was here, so she was just after that, or 40 years after. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, But what they didn't have much, because there were 10 farmers, and all these people, like Mary said, they had to turn to God for their wisdom and for their provision. And they did, and that they were so. It was uh, one thing that wasn't taken from them, like I did say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it gave them direction, and, and certainly... Angel voices were heard. It, it it really is something to read about and to appreciate and to see it in that light. I mean, you know, you hate to say slavery is good or any persecution is good. Who wants it? But sometimes what the result comes from it is amazing. I mean, we'll look and look at Christ Jesus on the cross, but he he proved death was unreal. So when you get driven to the limits and you know there's no help but God, that can be a very good thing. Wonderful things come out of that. is God's opportunity. Yes. It said that in this, um, it has been said that the churches of the first three centuries were marked by material poverty and spiritual power, whereas the churches of our day are marked by material wealth spiritual weakness that's great isn't it sad to say this seems to be true today christians are cursed with material things that are not conducive to their spiritual development christians living under economic impoverishment should praise god that during such a time he will prove himself faithful and if they let him will bring them much spiritual blessing florence has said to me sometimes why, why do these people, you know, like in Africa, they get it. You just give them a couple statements of truth. Right, Florence? Go ahead. Speak to that. Well, I mean, I'm amazed. It's like, it's like, you know, just know that you are made in his image and likeness. The sickness is not your portion. Simple, simple truth. But it's, it's the heart that embraces such a truth and, and just lifts it. Um, they're healed. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing it, to me. Anyway. It, it's the heart that is a, is a clear reflection because it's not clouded by all the materialism. 
Uh, maybe it's because you know I I I, I don't. There's not even a, a clinic in sight to go to or something. Um, uh, maybe that's mm-hmm. really something that uh, simple truth, simple truth, and maybe distraction of so much that you can do, so much uh, alternatives. So, so yeah, called. yes, yeah. That's so true. There's nothing, and you give them this simple truth, they get it, and they, they rise with it, and they're healed. We used to find it when we had that um, ad in USA Today. Who did we hear from the most? That's how we found Benjamin. Yeah, Nigerians. Nigerians. And they would say, I read, I read Healing Thoughts. I was completely healed of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but isn't Benjamin just find an old healing thought yep. from like his brother's shop and yeah. start him on this journey? So. Yeah. Yep. So having a lot is not necessarily a great thing. And and you do see people, Christian side, oh my gosh, all their lives, third and fourth generation, all this, all that, and they're working on a problem forever. <laughs> so there's something good about the rawness of needing it so desperately and being so receptive to it, whatever the persecution is. And these people certainly were. And another thing it says, um, an afflicted church. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. The believers in Smyrna were an afflicted church, afflicted by false teachers who had claimed to be Jews but really were not. The New Testament definition of Jew is one who is circumcised in the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. It's in Romans. It is never sufficient to obey the teachings of the word legalistically. Submission of the heart to God, not complying to a prescribed set of rules, is his desire for us. It's like in the chosen. Give me your heart. And then Satan has his own religious faith. He has his own churches called synagogues of Satan. Any church that preaches a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ is a synagogue of Satan, regardless of what it is called. Many so-called Christian churches today are like the Jews at Smyrna. They are not Christians at all and are condemned by the Savior himself because they preach a message other than the one laid down in the word of God. In reality, they are the synagogue of Satan, not the church of Christ. And then this does it. This is the one. As predicted by the Lord himself in verse 10, you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Some people think this was 10 periods by the Roman empires. And it lists Nero, Nero, the first one. He was the one he beheaded. Paul, he crucified Peter. He burned the city of Rome so he could build it up start over again and then he blamed the Christians for doing it so they would be persecuted and then it's a whole list and it ends with diocletian which they said was the worst it was the worst emperor in Roman history and the greatest antagonist of the Christian faith he led a violent attempt to destroy the Bible from the face of the earth Under his leadership, many Roman cities had public burnings of the sacred scriptures. I won't even go into all the rest that happened. But um, 
But again, while they were being persecuted, they fought back. They fought back and and they would rise up. But once they weren't persecuted anymore, then all this stuff entered. You get lazy, I guess. So I, I've heard that hard times make for strong people and strong people make Easy times, and then easy times make for weak people. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And well, uh, that that was our, our Bible study we had last fall on being strong, right? That's right. So, it's important for each one of us to think about how do we do that, right? We have to be strong. We can't be the wimps of the Boston organization, right? Right. Let God with us. God yeah. with me all the time. Mm-hmm lesson not to spoil our children yeah. and one so. thing that really impressed me about this times of fire uh documentary was you know he showed he showed the the amount of ground that the people had to cover so not only did john get this revelation but it had to be translated and then it had to be walked to all these places and, and talked to them and these were large distances I mean, we only saw the first three churches. <laughs> I, I know. No, no but, there wasn't the internet. They, they had they to. They didn't have cars. Yeah. So the commitment of these people is really quite inspiring. So. Huge commitment. And as I said, we last time we, you know, John was sent to Patmos to shut him up, and look what happened. <laughs> um, Gave him that quiet time that was much needed. Yes. And, and also, to get back to that first quote about the blessedness, um, the Christians took this, that they, if they died as martyrs, they would be blessed because they would die in the Lord, right? That was one of the points it made, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they were willing to do this. So I, I have heard that no great reformation is made without giving your life for it. Maybe that goes back to the quote of from Betty, you know, that you, you lose your life in order to find it. It's in the lesson this week. Right. Yeah. So hope hopefully we don't have to go back to those times. You know, God forbid. Um one of these these commentaries makes the point if if what had been done was done, we wouldn't have had the dark ages. And yes, the rise of the Roman Catholic Church, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how much came from, um, you know, Peter and them failing to watch? Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Daddy speaks of that. Yeah. So who else? I don't think we should go into the next church because that's going to be a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh... We pretty much have our questions for the next Bible study. But, uh, you know, earlier we talked about uh, attacks from within. I'll just mention briefly. Uh, do you want to delete this from the Bible study? But I, I, I just can't forget this. But this is about 50 years ago. And uh, there was a CS practitioner who uh, was reported to the board of directors for posting a business card in the uh, bulletin board in the basement of the church. So I read the letters, about 100 pages. I never really understood what the crime was. Um, his daughter went to Principia. He seems like a really nice guy when I read his letters. Um, but what did he do? 
he posted his business card on a bulletin board in the basement of the church that he was a member of. So that ended up him being removed as a practitioner and a member of the church. Um, and I like to think back in our Bible study last fall on, on unity of church, right? So, um, gee, if someone does something that uh, offends us or something wrong, well, let's think about how do we go about it, right? Um, it's it's an easy thing to say, oh, I'm going to report to the board of directors and have this person persecuted, right? Um but they interfered oh. in a branch church, which isn't, which they should never have done. Absolutely, and and I mean, other people think of the persecution. What? Who was it? It was, was it Kratzer or you know someone who wrote a book, Dominion Within? Nope, yes. can't do that, and distribute it in the church. Nope, not allowed to do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do this. This is why local independent churches. I read it from Tomlinson. It's what Mrs. Eddy intended. What has happened? The veil has been cast, and people are ignorant as to, to the truth. So we will reveal the truth and let the truth work, and it will. Correct. You can't contain the truth within an organization. This is that he states that somewhere. Christian science is not a religion. It, it is the science. It is a science. It is the rules and laws that govern the universe. Nobody can own it. It's the nope. science of life. It's the science of everything. Exactly. Cannot be manipulated or controlled by anybody. It has its own way. It has its own way. And don't try it or you will be ground to a powder. <laughs> yep, sir. Yeah. The truth will go forward. <laughs> it reminds me of Samuel, too, when he was warning them about what a king would be like before they, they got the king, all yep. the things he said. Yep. <laughs> Every king has been like that. Yep. Every king. Every, yep. king. Every pope. Thank you very much, Thanks, Thomas, Tom. and yeah. we'll prepare yeah. for next Thanks, month. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. everybody. Uh -huh. Everybody have a blessed day. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you too.